Hello and welcome back. You're listening to season two of Adam Was Mad, a podcast where we discuss all things childhood mental health. I'm your host, Michelle, and each week I speak with a guest who either experienced mental health struggles as a child themselves, is parenting a child who has a mental health diagnosis, or who's a professional in this field. A quick cautionary note, many of our episodes do talk about trauma of various kinds, so listener discretion is advised. Every story is important and valued, and every story reminds us we're not alone out there. You have a village of people who understand exactly what you're going through and who can help. If you're looking to connect more closely with that village, join us on Facebook in the group Your Village by following the link at the top of today's show notes. When you join, enter your email to receive our free monthly resource. Hopefully you'll learn something new, hear something interesting, or truly just be reminded that you're not alone. Without any further ado, let's get to today's episode. I started having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning to go to school. Nobody really could explain to me what that feeling was at that time. Mental illness really wasn't talked about. It was just here, take all these medications, and they sent me on my way. Different medications would either make things worse or would have terrible side effects or cause more suicide attempts. After that fifth suicide attempt, I went back to my psychiatrist and again, they said, well, we can change the medication. And I said, look, if you send me out of here with another prescription, that's it. I'll be dead by the end of the week. I can't keep doing this. Nobody believed that there was something wrong with me. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today I have with me Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being with me. You're going to tell us a little bit about your personal mental health journey. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in uh, uh, Western suburbs right outside of Chicago, um, lower middle class, blue collar family, mom, dad, I have brother and sister, dogs, cats, you know, um, typical for the area that, that we lived in and nothing really extreme or extraneous. It was just kind of, you know, the normal, normal family life. Um, my awareness of any mental health issue, um, actually came up quite suddenly. Um, it happened, um, when I was 11 years old. And that is when I had my first suicide attempt. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> small side note, 11-year-olds don't really know much about suicide, or at least back then before the days of all the internet. Um, so <laughs> I did try to overdose on penicillin, which I later found out that just made me the healthiest person ever. Uh, <laughs> So um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh at that. No, but that's but it's funny because thankfully I did not know that. And so the, hence, you know, I am still here. So, so that is, that is a good thing. Um, but yeah, that was the, the kind of big event that was bringing mental, uh, mental illness into my point of view, my, my family's 
um, perspective for the first time. Um, and it kind of just down um, snowballed from there. Um, the catalyst that really set this off, uh, which I was not aware of at the time, I did not discover this or find this out till much later in my adulthood, um, was that prior to this happening, uh, my parents divorced and we moved away from my childhood home. Uh, my mom and my brother and my sister. Um, my dad was still in our life. We still saw him regularly. Um, the only thing that really changed was our living arrangements and where we all live. Um, but we moved from, um, I was in sixth grade at the time um, in a elementary school that went up to sixth grade. So between both sixth grade classes, there was 60 kids in sixth grade. And where I moved, um, sixth grade was part of a middle school that had a approximately um, 200 kids Holy moly. Um, in the sixth grade. <laughs> so it was quite a, a change, quite a transition. Um, and it did not go over very well with me. Um, I didn't really understand what was happening at the time. My first kind of um, issue that was brought to light was the fact that um, I started having a hard time getting out of bed in the morning to go to school. And school was always something that I loved. I loved school. I was always really great at school. Um, and so that was a, a big change. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like school and I didn't enjoy going. Um, I was having a feeling when I woke up in the morning, uh, feeling like I was paralyzed and I couldn't get out of bed. Um, nobody really could explain to me what that feeling was at that time. Um, it was later that I discovered through my knowledge that um, that's actually anxiety, your fight or flight or freeze system uh, coming into play. Um, so, uh, I stopped basically going to school. I kept faking illnesses, um, or I just wouldn't go on the bus. And, um, at that time, my mom was a full-time mom. She was working full-time, um, during the day. So we were kind of on our own and, um, my dad lived about an hour away and they they were both young. Nobody really knew what was happening, knew how to help me. Um, and so when the, the suicide happened, um, instantly everything kind of uh, fast-tracked. I was put in a psychiatric hospital uh, for a week and put on a bunch of medications, um, medications that now are, you know, have warnings, do not give to, to anyone under the age of 18, right. um, all this other stuff. Um, and they had no idea at the time. Yeah, no idea. Um, mental illness really wasn't talked about. It wasn't out in the open, you know, not that it's extremely talked about now, but it's way more now than it was back then. Yeah. Um, so it was just here, take all these medications and they were, they sent me on my way. Um, there was no direction for my parents to follow as to 
how to continue with care, who to talk to, where to go. Um, and my parents didn't know. So it, it kind of wasn't addressed in the, from the beginning, the way that it should have. Um, things continued on for years this way, um, different medications that would either make things worse or would have terrible side effects um, or cause more suicide attempts. Um, the school finally got involved because I started missing so much school. And um, this is where a lot of the issues of my illness being handled inappropriately kind of came into play. Um, for starters, nobody at the school believed that there was something wrong with me. Oh. Um, everybody thought that I was acting out behaviorally, um, that I was just an angry preteen um, delinquent. And so they started treating me like I was that kind of person. Um, I was forbidden to participate in school activities. I was not allowed to participate in school field trips or school events. I was not allowed to take driver's ed um, or participate in any extracurricular activities. Um, basically anything that would have um, encouraged me or given me some kind of willingness to motivate myself to get up and go to school was stripped away. Um, and on top of I, that, I mean, yeah. I'm shocked that they're telling you, you can't go on field trips. You can't do these things that would have brought joy and happiness to your life and maybe made that anxiety a little less. The little yeah. bright spots of positivity you might have found were being stripped away as punishment, mm -hmm. which I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure. Did it make it worse? Oh, it definitely did. And it had a very strong prolonged effect into adulthood because now all of these opportunities that young kids usually have, they're, they're growing experiences through, you know, their proms and their football games and their Washington DC trips and all these other things, you know, the friendships that they made in their drama clubs or whatever. I, I never had any of that. And now there's this grieving process yeah. of what I missed out on and what could have, you know, made things different if it were not that way to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you, what you wish had been done differently or what you think could have been done differently and how that might've impacted you. Yeah. Um, it would have been great if there was somebody at the school who knew about mental illness, knew symptoms, knew, you know, something that could actually take all of the things, all of the pieces of the puzzle and put them together and say, you know, there's something wrong with this child. This child is struggling and having a problem. This is not just delinquent, you know, behavior. behavior. Um, having somebody there to step in would have saved so much trouble. Um, 
because as things went farther down the line and the court got involved, um, even the court system was under the impression that I was intentionally skipping school, ditching school. And at age 14, I was put on house arrest. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was put on house arrest because I was ditching school so much when the truth is I was so depressed and anxious. I was in my bed the whole time. I never left the house. Right. Um, So just this, the fact that there was nobody there to stand up and say, hey, you have the situation wrong. We can't, we have to stop treating this as punishment and we have to help. Right. Um, that would have made a huge difference. Um, but there, there wasn't anyone there. There, the resources weren't available. There wasn't internet for my parents to Google search, you know, um, how, how we all have come so used to doing it now. Um, nobody had access to the information. Right. And so it wasn't until I was old enough until I was out of high school um, to when I started researching all of this myself and looking into what is actually happening in my brain and what is causing these symptoms and what treatments are available um, and how do they work and what is good combinations of treatments. You know, that was all stuff that I had to figure out and guide my own journey to wellness and recovery from being like that for so long. Right. Do you feel like not having that advocate in your life, whether it was a parent or a school counselor, do you feel like that was your biggest challenge? Or do you feel like the diagnosis itself was the biggest challenge? Um, honestly, I believe the biggest challenge was that I did not understand what was happening. Mm. Nobody was able to explain to me what was happening to me. It was just here, take this pill and you'll be fixed. Right. You know, go see this, talk to this counselor and you'll be fixed. Nobody was telling me why this was happening or how this was happening. Um, and that was, I think, a hu- the biggest hurdle was I had no understanding to be able to start to work it out and fix it. And then you did eventually start doing your own research, you said. You yeah. started learning yourself mm-hmm. to overcome that challenge of not understanding and not yeah. having information about what's happening in your own body. So talk to me a little bit about that. What, what made you start to do that in the first place? Because it hadn't um, been modeled for you. No, no, not at all. Um, I kind of just was dragged along throughout um, from ages 11 upward through I was um, 19. At the time of my fifth and final suicide, I was 19 years old. Um, and after that point, I kind of just, woke up and said, okay, if nobody else is going to help me, if nobody else is going to try and solve this for me, I guess I'm going to have to do it myself. Um, because, you know, what was, what kept happening, you know, I was relying on my parents for 
you know, I was a minor, I was a child, I had no say. Finally, 18, 19 years old, it's more on me, you know, to handle. And I just, I, I had this feeling that if I, if I'm going to get better, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to put the effort in. I can't rely on anybody else to, to come in and I guess be the superhero, save the day. It's going to fall on me. Right. And, um, it wasn't, um, after that fifth, uh, suicide attempt, I went back to my psychiatrist and I, and again, they said, well, we can change the medication. And, and I said, look, if you send me out of here with another prescription, that's it. I'll be dead by the end of the week. I can't keep doing this prescription change shift thing over. Like I need something. Um, I need a plan. I need a something more concrete. And they didn't have an answer for me. So that is when I dove in and I started researching experimental treatments and um, I started taking psychology classes at junior college and learning about the brain, how the brain works. I started learning about mental illnesses and um, that expanded into human behavior and why we all start acting the way we act to begin with. Um, and it, it kind of just blew up from there and exploded because I was so intrigued by the power that our brain has um, for good and for bad. Um, and the more that I learned and the more I started to put these pieces together for my own health, my own mental health, physical health, and how I started to see results, I knew that, you know, this was something that I could potentially use to share with other people that have been struggling for so long. I love that. I love that you found purpose and mission in this struggle. So you were going through something, you weren't able to find the help that you needed outside of yourself from parents, from teachers, from counselors, from psychiatrists, psychologists through medication. And so you said, I'm going to figure this out for myself. And all of that learning now are now things you can share with others who are also struggling to find answers for themselves. I really commend you for that. That's absolutely Thank amazing. You. And the fact that you weren't dead by the end of the week, and instead you turned things around to a point where now you can talk about it and share about it. And you understand, it sounds like what was happening to you yep. for those, all those years. Now, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to harp on the negative, but were there any triggers that jumped out at you that as you learned more about your brain and more about yourself, were there things that were triggering that you realize now in retrospect were causing some of these feelings or this anxiety? Is definitely that you were able to uncover? Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest triggers was um, fear of the unknown. Um, I had a, a very lopsided relationship with certainty and uncertainty. And I was one of those people that was more towards the certainty side of the seesaw where I could not function without it. It, it began slowly. Um, I mean, even looking back at childhood before all of the mental illness stuff, looking back now with the knowledge that I have, 
I had mental illness before this big event. It was always there. Right. Um, it just hadn't it was come just, out in such yeah, a drastic it, it was way. So subtle. Like the fact that when I was young, I would never allow myself to participate in something that I'd never done before because of the fear that I would fail or that I wouldn't be good enough or that the kids would laugh at me. Um, so finding out, discovering these things and then applying them retrospectively back to childhood, I definitely see so many triggers that went unnoticed by everyone for so long. And, you know, I feel like that's so important to talk about because, you know, identifying triggers can help, I think, prevent those really desperate attempts, the suicide attempts, the, the, some of the, um, aspects of really violent self-harming or negative behaviors, if we're able to identify those triggers in ourselves and in our children. So I love that you recognized that even though the adults around you didn't, right? Even though the adults Mm -hmm. around you didn't recognize that as you grew up and you now are looking retrospectively at your life, you're able to say, oh, that's what was happening. That's what was causing, you know, or not causing, but that's what was triggering these these feelings that I was experiencing. Um, So if you could talk to other parents or other people going through similar struggles, is there anything you learned that you could pass along to them? Yes, for sure. Um, The first thing is that doctors are doctors and they're very smart and they know a lot of information, but ultimately you are the one who has to make the decision. And I don't know how many times I've talked with even other family and friends uh, um, about issues with their children where they go and they take them to the doctor because they're having, you know, some kind of problem. And the doctor says, yeah, we're just going to do this, 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 and put them on this medication. And the parents are like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And they don't stop to question why, what is this for? What is this going to do? Are there any other options available to me? Um, Or, you know, is this my only choice? They don't, they just take the doctor at face value. Like, this is what the doctor says. This is what I'm going to do. And they don't challenge. They don't get all of the information that could potentially have their decision-making and their abilities to help their child, um, have them more available. Yeah. So I would say yeah, something along the lines of not just taking the doctor's word for it, like do your research, question the doctor. Yeah. Just like, just like in any profession, there are some who are great and some who are not so great and that's normal and okay. But when it comes to you or your child, you are your, you are your and their best advocates. So you have to make sure that you've armed yourself with all of that knowledge and all of that knowing, and you can receive guidance from the professionals around you in your life, but it doesn't hurt to get a second opinion either. If you feel like you're not getting that information Mm -hmm. from the person who you speak to first. And if you continue to advocate, you continue to learn, you can get to the root cause of some of this. You can help to eliminate some of the triggers and hopefully prevent some of these really desperate events 
like suicide attempts or self-harm attempts that you experienced in your childhood. So I think that's fantastic advice and that's a beautiful place to leave it. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate you, you chatting with me today. I appreciate being here. I, I'm very happy to share and hope that you know one person out there can take something away from it. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow or subscribe and check out today's show notes for free downloadable resources and a link to join your village, our Facebook community. Catch you next time.